You're listening to Trending with Timory. So, what's trending? August 1st is the feast day of one of my favorite saints, maybe a favorite, St. Alphonsus Liguori. Joining me today on Trending with Tim Ray is Father Tim Grumbach, who's the Associate Pastor of St. Augustine Parish in the Diocese of Los Angeles. Father Tim, I am so excited to geek out about this saint because we all need to celebrate his feast day, which is why we're talking about him ahead of time. Welcome to the show and share with us your favorite saying or thing that's kind of convicted you about St. Alphonsus Liguori. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, he is quickly becoming one of my favorite saints uh, because he's the patron saint of confessors. He was known as a, a great confessor, uh, especially at the time when the Jansenist heresy was making its rounds through the church, where people were so convinced by their scruples that their, you know, the, the default mode was that they were going to hell. And one of my favorite things that uh, St. Alphonsus said is that penitents should be treated as souls to be saved rather than as criminals to be punished. And that means so much to me right now because it feels like confession is really one of the only ministries that I have <laughs> available to me at the moment with certain church closures and, and office closures that we can still have people come in for confessions so that the sacrament becomes pretty much my main ministry right now. So I really need to look to someone like St. Alphonsus who gave us uh, such encouragement to remind us that everybody who walks through that, uh, that door into our confessional is not somebody who's there to be punished, but someone who's there uh, to have their soul saved. Now, St. Alphonsus Liguori is known as the moral doctor of the church. And I have to say, I admire him for not only how he lived, but also how he taught three key things. He was lovingly honest, but we might call it brutal honesty because he was willing to just go there and cut right through kind of everything that's going on with us. You know, what we feel is human nature, how we look at death, how we view our attachments to the world. Second, he was always faithful to the church. When you look at his writings, they're full of scripture, tradition, and quotes of the saints. And third, it kind of comes back to this brutal honesty thing. Two, two times this week, I'm going to say this. There's just no BS in St. Alphonsus Liguori. He mm -hmm. cuts right to the chase, and it's so clear. So, Father Tim, let's talk about some of those favorite quotes, which I know are famous because of his book, specifically Preparation for Death, among some of his others. And I have a funny story to tell because I think you may remember this. I was trying to find the book Preparation for Death one day when I was at a mm -hmm. retreat center, and I was in the rushed a rush to leave and I think I had told you this and I was heading over to do the show I think I was actually meeting you and I said do you have the book preparation for death and this girl's jaw drops and she was like excited to talk to me because I apparently she'd recognized you from the show and then all of a sudden goes into like oh this like really somber state like um, well, uh, just give me a second. Her voice is quivering and she like runs to like these various sections and she's looking for stuff and she goes, well, we have some grieving books and bereavement <laughs> education. I think she thought I was preparing for someone to die in my life. But I was actually looking for a book and I didn't realize it till I left. And she was like really anxious as I was leaving, thinking like oh, no. she wasn't able to help me when death was imminent for someone. But right. the whole point was this book is about whatever state in life you're in, we're called to always be ready to die. And so let's unpack some of those favorite quotes and ideas from St. Alphonsus. 
Right. And it just it makes me think also about uh, just yesterday I was catching up with a friend of mine that I, I have a lot of catching up to do with them. And we started talking about, uh, you know, some of the silly things going on in our lives. And I was talking about kind of like what might be left behind as a relic when I die, if I ever become a saint. And, you know, this friend of mine's not really uh, in the Catholic Church and so isn't really in that bubble of having conversations like that. And they found it so strange, like, OK, yeah, let's talk about your death. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. This is just what we do as Catholics. And it was, <laughs> it was, it was so great, especially to dive back into St. Alphonsus's uh, book on the preparation for death. And uh, definitely one of my, my favorites is uh, that uh, all know that they must die. But the misfortune is that many view death as such a distance that they lose sight of it. And, you know, this whole book is about keeping death in sight but not in this, this unhealthy way of forgetting how to live because you're only looking at how you die, but in a sense of you're really only going to know how to live when you keep in sight that we are made for eternity and God desires this. He doesn't desire the death of the sinner, but rather how are we going to prepare ourselves for that last moment in our life when all we're thinking about is the things of this world and we don't have sight on what we were made for. You know, Father Tim, it's interesting. So my recommendation for the summer reading list, and maybe you're reading it if you follow the relevant radio emails and social media, was I recommended reading Preparation for Death this summer. It's one of my favorite books. I think I've read it three times over. So if you're reading it, send me some of your favorite lines or if you've read it before because there's so much to unpack here. But it's funny because one of you was writing to me this past week about St. Alphonse's book, Preparation for Death, and they said they felt like they were being red-pilled by St. Alphonse. And for those who don't know what red pill is, it's basically learning an unpleasant truth, but in this case, a rather life-changing one. And so I was posting on social media a quote, which you can find on Instagram, of another quote I love from St. Alphonsus. And I asked the question, do you think about death, about your death? And I got three responses, Father Tim, that I thought were pretty interesting. One person who clearly actually meditates when they pray the Our Father and don't just buzz through it said, absolutely, as long as I pray now and at the hour of our death. I thought that was an incredible reflection and a reminder as to why the Lord's Prayer is the greatest prayer for us. But then there was another response that stood out to me. She said, I don't, and I feel like I'm odd for not doing so. That is thinking about her death. So let's unpack some more com uh, quotes from St. Alphonsus that can help us to get started on contemplating death's journey that is inevitable for all of us. St. Alphonsus says, My brother, if you wish to live well, endeavor to live during the remainder of your life in the presence of death. What do you take from this quote? Remain, you know, during the remainder of your life, live in the presence of death. I, I actually just came across a, a quote that he, he may have gotten this idea from this quote, but uh, in Mount Athos in Greece, which is an, um, an area of Greece, which is just monasteries. There's this one monastery that above the entrance, it says that if you die before you die, then when you die, you will not die. And it's so powerful because wow, it's, say this, that it's, again. It's, it's <laughs> if you die before you die, then when you die, you will not die. And that's that. the gospel. It's, it's about uniting ourselves to Christ on the cross here in this life now so that we'll live forever. And if we are never looking towards the cross and we're never looking towards our own death, but always trying to avoid what is unavoidable, 
then we're never truly going to live in this life or in the next. That is so true. Like having that perspective, like this is where we hear all the time, like in order to live, you must die. Like this is what baptism is, right? Baptism mm -hmm. is a death of self so that we can live in Christ. You know, we hear St. Paul talk about this all the time, but there are certain things that get in the way. And this is where I love St. Alphonsus actually ends up diving into quoting St. Augustine on this. See, St. Alphonsus says, a bad habit by degree destroys even remorse of conscience. So as when we have a bad habit, we kind of lose our sense of conscience and understanding right from wrong. And then he goes on to say to the habitual sinner, the most enormous sin then appears as nothing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. So when we yeah. have bad habits, sin doesn't feel in any way whatsoever like sin to us. It seems like good almost. And then when it becomes such a habit, there's no way to let God into it. it there's no more crack in our heart for God to reach in and to bring healing. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, Charles Pigui, a, a French philosopher and poet, is about you know, how habit is more dangerous than the sin itself. Because at least with sin, there's a way into our heart and a way towards forgiveness. But when that sin becomes a habit, uh, we're not talking about addiction. We're talking about just something that you get used to doing so that you don't even recognize it as a sin anymore. Is that it becomes, he calls it this inor inorganic breastplate against which even the sharpest sword is dulled. And, you know, that, that sword of God's mercy and his forgiveness comes up against this, this breastplate that we put on of our habitual sin. And that, you know, we don't let it in. And in fact, we dole God's mercy in a sense because we refuse to receive it and we refuse to let it into the crack in our heart. Father Tim, I'm excited to dive deeper in because in light of talking about preparing for our death always and being aware of it, there are certain topics surrounding end-of-life decisions that come up. And so I want to talk about those to see how we can have hope and faith and the best outcome for the soul when it comes to end-of-life decisions. We'll be right back here on Trending with Tim Marie. Tim Marie will be right back. You can reach her on Instagram and Twitter at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. I want to extend an invitation for you to join me. If you haven't heard the news, Trending with Timmery is now daily on Relevant Radio, Monday through Friday. That's at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Now, here's the exciting thing. We now have a daily podcast. So I want to encourage you to go and subscribe to the podcast. We have our very own Relevant Radio app where you can listen to all the podcasts of Trending, pause, play, and even share them, or you can now subscribe again on your favorite podcasting apps, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or let us know where you want to hear us. That way you can access your favorite podcast, of course, Trending with Timory, and not miss a single one of those options for the daily shows and the various topics that we cover. Check out the links below in the description where you can find the links to your favorite podcasting locations because we have two separate podcasts. I want to make sure you're getting that daily dose so that you can go a little bit deeper. And don't forget, if you want us to talk about a specific topic or you have a question, just head over to relevantradio.com trending where you can connect on social media and ask your questions. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory. As we're talking about death, there are a couple stories that have crossed my desk 
this week that I have to say a reminder for us as Catholics that how we die matters. And how we may participate in the end-of-life decisions of our loved ones also matters. And I think that in the world anymore, we think about, well, we need to have compassion in certain situations. Yes, compassion is always important, but killing someone isn't okay. There's a story of a woman who last year was sentenced to 15 years in prison for first-degree murder of her mother. Now she's trying to claim that her she was just fulfilling her mother's wishes for assisted suicide. And so she's trying to hide her crime by using this claim. Because in the United States, if you want your physician to collaborate with you ending your life and taking a lethal dose of me- medication... You can do that, even with the cooperation of your own family members. It's absolutely un- unbelievable, and we're seeing cases of people who are, whose lives are ending long before they should uh, in the face of terminal illnesses, but the same terminal illnesses that some do miraculously recover from. And also, suicide is suicide, and that's what the church teaches with regard to physician-assisted suicide. But Father Tim Grumbach is here with me on Trending with Tim, and we're going to unpack this a little more. Father Tim, you also had mentioned that actually um, there's been a controversial Dutch bill that would also allow physician-assisted suicide for healthy people. Just if they were 75, it was allowed. They can go out on their own terms. How can we help Catholics understand how suffering and death matter, yet we have to do it compassionately, but with moral integrity intact. Yeah, this is almost a a twisted and counterfeit version of one of the ways that we are taught about anointing of the sick uh, for the elderly while we were in the seminary, is that technically and officially the the anointing of the sick is for those who uh, are in some kind of danger of death, or death is some kind of possibility ahead of them. And it was almost lightheartedly mentioned during our classes that anyone over 65, let's say, uh, is kind of facing that uh, that part of their lives. And so whether they're healthy or not, if they're over 65, then give them the anointing of the sick. Let's not be too stingy with the graces of the sacraments. And so this is almost this twisted version of if you're over 75, well, you know, you've lived long enough, and if you feel like dying, then we want to help you. And that's what so much of the culture of death does, is it, it takes um, uh, and counterfeits and twists the dignity of life by calling it some kind of compassionate uh, end-of-life service. So what we're looking at is this woman in this very tragic story where she attempted to kill her own mother and then to pass it off as uh, some kind of euthanasia, some kind of assisted suicide. And then we're looking at a bill trying to get through the the Dutch uh, law system in which they could, uh, uh, somebody who is over 75 and in otherwise good health could ask for assisted suicide. And what we're seeing is this twisting of compassion, this twisting of the dignity at the end of human life. But what we're also looking at when we analyze it is you know, though it's difficult to legislate morality, the laws that are put in place do inform people and educate people uh, who are looking at the laws as to what is allowed. And people will look at the laws and say, well, this must be morally okay. Whether we know that law is meant to legislate morality or say this is okay or this is not, 
ethically. This is the struggle that we're looking at right now. And these are a couple of really important cases. And what you said is so important. Essentially, what is legal isn't necessarily moral. And that's so important to remember. And that's why, you know, things such as the Ten Commandments, they weren't necessary, but they appealed to human nature. What we knew was right naturally, but it helped to give those guidelines to really kind of rule over uh, ancient Israel at that time, and which was why it's so important for us even today to have. But this whole conversation reminds me how important it is as Catholics to follow the Catholic moral principles when handling our own death and the death of a loved one. And so two key things that the church very commonly encourages anymore are A, to have that living will implemented with advanced directives of, you know, how to handle end-of-life decisions, um, what is ordinary versus extraordinary means of keeping a person's life going and, you know, kind of objecting to any lethal doses of medication that would end a life versus, say, a dose of medication that might help to alleviate some pain but wouldn't actually kill the person because there's a difference in dosage. And so some people have a difficult time seeing the difference. But when we explain that, um, it's understandable. I remember, I'm forgetting the name of the drug, but I remember when my grandma, my great grandmother died, we were all present. Um, I helped care for her for a number of months before she died. I was very, very close to her. And in her final day, she was receiving um, some of a medication that was helping to alleviate some of the pain she was experiencing morphine. But there was a big difference between her receiving a lethal dose of morphine that would kill her and her receiving a small quantity of morphine that was going to make it a little more difficult to breathe. And it was hard to see because her breathing was impacted by the morphine, but it was not ultimately what was killing her. And so that's a really important comparison for us to understand because if we consented as her caretakers to her receiving that lethal dose of morphine, we are culpable. We are morally responsible for having killed her. And that's why we see lawsuits, for example. I have another family member who was given an overdose of morphine and the hospital accidentally killed this family member. Mm-hmm. And that was physician suicide or it wasn't even physician suicide it was murder in this instance because they weren't keeping track of medication and so it's important to look at these examples and understand it and for us to know we have to have that living will we have to have advanced directives but we also have to make sure that nothing is left in question because we live in a time of relativism where people try to interpret things in various ways that aren't what's written down on paper or there might be a circumstance that wasn't planned for Uh, when it came to end-of-life decisions. And so one of the really important elements is to have a family member who has a power of attorney in those situations to decide what your end-of-life decisions will be, but someone who follows your faith teaching and will respect your body in these circumstances. Yeah, and this was really important uh, for us as well as we were preparing for our ordination was that our our previous archbishop had mentioned to us in a class that if, um, you know, he he says he would not have ordained us if we didn't have our will and our advanced directives in place. Uh, Mm. You know, he he said it was just that important to him in seeing the way that it had been handled with other priests. And there were stories about like Benedictine priests, monks, who, uh, you know, would get into a car crash 
and then their brother monks would come and try to visit them at the hospital and try to say this is what the, you know this this monk who has you know no capability probably is not going to survive would have mm -hmm. wanted but without that advanced directive in place it was just so difficult because they're living in a, a way of life that the rest of the world doesn't quite understand uh, and so to have this advanced directive to have this will in place is so important not just for priests and religious but uh, but for all of us especially in a culture where we look to doctors and science to tell us how to handle end-of-life situations but we're not looking to people who have a, a, a better ethical understanding moral understanding of what uh, beginning of and ending of life situations entail for us spiritually. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's so many situations where people say, you know, this is a decision that must be made between the person and their doctor. And we're looking at end of life situations. We can even say that about abortion, is that people will say right. it's only between the person and their doctor. But doctors are so rarely trained in that kind of ethics and morality and without that ethics and morality, we're looking at decisions that are being made purely on a scientific level. And for society, in some way, that's enough. But we know we've got to be looking at something deeper than what the science tells us, but also looking at the dignity of the human person. And when that's missing, uh, some pretty poor decisions, difficult decisions are going to be made. And I am in the midst of a number of these different situations with, with parishioners, with friends, with family, mm -hmm. trying to help them understand that it's, it's okay to take someone off life support if right. uh, you're, you're not killing them actively. It's okay right. to give someone that medication in order to help them uh, ease their way into a natural death. It's okay you know, at the beginning of a life of a child that may not survive childbirth that you don't have to do every last thing to keep them alive if that child is coming into this life and it just doesn't look like they're going to survive. And these are heart-rending decisions to be made, but mm -hmm. it's such an honor to be invited into this part of someone's life, into a family's life, and to be there and to walk with them and say, oh, you know, God is here in the midst of this and this death has meaning. And that's what the world will look at and say, no, this death has no meaning, just let it go. Or, or rail against it and do everything you can to fight against it rather than to accept that this might be the moment that God is inviting a person and a family into death, into this really a, a liberation from death itself, this entrance into new life. And it's going to come at times we don't expect, like we were talking about with St. Alphonsus, is that you know, God has assured us that we will die, but has not told us when that will be. Wow, as we're talking about this, there are so many topics about end-of-life decisions that come up, and we'd be happy to take them here on Trending. But I am going to post on social media now the Catholic Guide to End-of-Life Decisions that's put out by the NCBC Center. And it's so helpful because it's really a Catholic guide understanding the moral principles that lead us to help make these decisions. So that's the National Catholic Bioethics Center, and they're all always happy to advise people as they're navigating difficult situations. Uh, but three things I really want you to remember when talking about death. One, we have an eternal destiny. Two, because of that, we should always have reverence for the soul and how things are handled. And three, we look forward. We have hope in being in the presence of God. But how we get there really does matter. That's Father Tim Grumbach here with us. Any final thoughts on this topic of preparing and talking and handling end-of-life decisions? Uh, just to know that the, the, the Lord is walking with us in the midst of this. And so often, 
as a priest, I am kind of tempted to think I'm bringing God into this situation. But the reality is God is already there. And I go in there to witness what he's doing with families, with friends, uh, sometimes with my own family. And it's, it's very humbling to be invited into those places. But to always keep in mind, like St. Alphonsus invites us to reflect on our own death. We're not obsessed with death, but you know, the Lord has put it before us. And there's no avoiding it, but it can be seen as a liberation, as a preparation for eternal life. And you know, that's what makes us have such great dignity, is that our lives are meant for more than this world can offer. Our lives are meant for this eternal joy and this eternal bliss with, uh, with the Holy Trinity. And if we think all this world has to offer, then yes, those decisions will be impossible and those decisions will be too difficult to make. But we have, uh, we have guidance from the Holy Spirit and the church and we have answers for these things. So just continue to pray and uh, invite your priests into this. It's, it's a humble honor to be invited into these. That's Father Tim Grumbach. You can find him on Instagram. We'll be sure to post the links to his social media. And he's quit Twitter, which I highly admire. We'll have to talk about that another day, about why finding that balance in life is so important. But coming up, we're going to be talking about how you can be happier, earn more, and stay healthier. Who doesn't want to earn more, be happier, and be healthier? We'll come back with that little secret for how to do so. We'll be right back here on Trending with Timory. You can listen to more of Trending with Timory via the Relevant Radio app or at relevantradio.com slash trending.